Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Learn to fill space with the Word of God. Fill space with the Word of God. Do you know the world tries to fill you with space? With words? The other day I was in a restaurant, sitting down at a table, enjoying quietness. Until some folks came in with their mobiles. So first I heard about an IT company that I didn't know existed. I heard about some deals being done that I didn't want to hear of. Somebody was invading my space with words. Do you know what I did? Just think what I did. I thought I've got to fill their world with my words. I want to fill their space. So thank you, Lord, for this McDonald's burger. (laughs) I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) A Freudian slip. Thank you, Lord, for this drink. Thank you, Lord, that you're good. And suddenly the phone stopped. It's time to stop hearing a voice that is contrary to God coming into your space. When you wake up in the morning, fill the space in your bedroom with the word of God. Lord, I got out of bed, I had a pain in my leg, but I thank you that you're good. God is so good. God is good to allow my wife and I to come here after four years. Hello, William, how are you? Good to see you. After four years to come here, we're alive. Yeah, it's wonderful. Praise God. You say, oh, it's four years. Why are you saying, thank you, God, that you're alive? Well, I, I love being alive. <laughs> Hands up if anyone joins me. That's right. We love being alive. I love being alive. I love seeing people. I love being with my wife. I love seeing my, my children. I love seeing my grandchildren. And Selfie, you're looking at it, and I'm so happy to be here today because as David said, it's been four years. The last time I think we were here, it was praying over you into and recognizing your apostleship. And I have to say, the Holy Spirit has done a wonderful job. Yeah in your life and quickened and, ex- and excelled in everything you you are as you should be a credit to the Holy Spirit <laughs> not of course to be outdone as uh, my wife often declares to me what I've declared in meetings Behind every successful man is a surprised woman. (laughs) My wife often brings that, my wife often brings that to me. She said, you remember what you said? She said, I'm still surprised. So Deborah, thank you also for being the wonderful helpmate that God's made you to be to him. He would not be who he is without you, as you would not be without him.
I also want to thank the elders here, the leaders, for extending the invitation to me. Sometimes I speak and you go away thinking, that's the door closed. There'll be no more invites. Because sometimes you say things, they just don't come out the way you intend. So if there are things here that offend you this morning by what I say, put the stone away, see me later, and probably you'll find I can't explain it. <laughs> sometimes I say things that even I don't understand. So that'll help you. But sometimes then you go to meetings and you've taken a long time to think what you should do. After four years you have to think about uh, what you should do. And then you come to a meeting and everything that's preceded what you're going to say has already been said. Do you ever feel like that? Yes. So I think it's time to go home. Everything that's been here this morning. Because I wanted to share with you three things. Three things that I have learned through life over these four years, but not only over these four years, the whole of my life. The whole of my life. The first thing I had to learn was this. When I came to know Christ, God is love. I didn't really understand that in the home that I was raised up in. Mother showed me great love. My father showed me the love that he knew of. Um, but there were challenges in that, at home. But when I went to my first evangelistic meeting, that is, to listen to an evangelist, he talked about this one verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever whoever it is believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and as the evangelist spoke he began to say certain things about the sinner's conduct and I thought who told him about me I was only a young boy, sitting in the back of a, quote, chapel in Wales, never been to any meeting like this before. And then at the end of his, quote, I didn't know he called it a sermon, I called it a, a talk. He made an appeal. He made an appeal. If there's anyone here that needs to accept Christ, but as the evangelist is, and there are some, I want you to raise your hand. And I just thought, I want to be saved. And I looked around. Nobody else. So I kept my hand up. And then he said, like all evangelists tended to do then, now if you've raised your hand, I want you to come forward. No. <laughs> he was like a salesman, you know. So I thought, well, get up and walk forward. And I walked forward with my head down. Not like a penitent sinner. I just walked forward. I was a bit embarrassed with all the people there. And I walked forward. And then he looked at me and he says, 
you come to give your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I said, yes, sir, I have. I want you to pray this prayer. So I prayed the prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins and come into my life and cleanse me from all those sins. I take you to be my Lord and my Savior at this moment. And the moment I ended, he said, and now you are a Christian according to the word of God. I thought, he said something, I thought, what a relief. And then he looked at me and said, now you're going out of this building, the first person you meet, on the way home to your home, you tell them what you've done. There were only three streets to the house. Normally, there were always people in Wales out on a Sunday night. There were no buses in those days. You didn't have any places to go to. There were no pubs open. There were no clubs. The only place you could go for is a walk in the street. So I'm going home. Nobody on the first street. Nobody on the second. Nobody on the third street. And I got to the house and thinking, but the evangelist told me to tell somebody that first person I met. And I went to the house and the first person I met was my father. Mm. You just uttered mm. like I felt. Mm. My father had a faith. He was a, my father was a communist. He didn't believe in God, so he said. He was reading a newspaper at the time called The News of the World. He had a cigarette in his hand. I said, Dad, I've got something to tell you. Holding the cigarette, he suddenly dropped to me. Yes, son? I said, Dad, I've given my life to Jesus Christ and I've become a Christian and Dad, I'm not going to hell and I don't want you to go to hell. Dad, I don't want you to go to... I've heard enough, son. You see, I not only told him about being a Christian, I went a little further. You know, sometimes we extend our words beyond what God wants us to say. He lifted his paper up and he uttered a few words. It won't last. Well, 66 years later, I'm telling you the story. Oh, it lasted. You know why? Somebody great entered my life. Amen. Amen. Changed my life. Yes. Totally, radically changed my life. You say, you were only a boy then, yes. I'm only a boy now. <laughs> I used to go and visit my mother when she was 99. She'd be sitting with her friend who was 97. I'd get to the house and I'd go in through the, the middle door and my mother would say to her friend, my baby's arrived. <laughs> <laughs> Depends who you're with. Yes, depends who you're with. But with me, it was simply this. I suddenly discovered that God loved me. And he's loved me all the time because God is love. Yes, 
Now, I say this to you this morning, that's the first thing I want to say to you is this, because the fact that God loves you is under challenge in our present time. People say this, if God loves you, why would he have done that? If God loves you, why would he have allowed that? In recent days, if God was a God of love, do you think that he would allow that what's going on in the Ukraine? Would he allow that what's happened in Turkey? Would he allow that what's happening in Syria? And suddenly an enemy comes along and says, that's a good question to you. Do you really believe that God is love and all this is happening, that he could have prevented it and stopped it, etc.? In those times, when you say, I'm not really understanding it all, but what I do understand is this, God is love. Why? The word of God tells me. My life tells me. During the ups and downs of life, God has never failed me. He loves me. The second thing I want to say to you is what we sang about this morning. As we said, not only does he love, out of his love he's always good. Hands up if anybody has ever experienced any good thing happening to them. Hands up. Good. Hands down. Now how many of you have ever experienced something bad happening to you? Same number. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. That's how people sell umbrellas. <laughs> for, for some people, it's good trade. Do you understand that? Yes. For some people, it's, oh, how terrible. It's, it's raining. How awful this is. And the shopkeeper who sells umbrellas, he said, oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> for some people, particularly as we're, we're in America, sometimes when we see people... That people is raining terribly and people say, oh, it's a, we didn't expect this weather, it's, it's a terrible time. So we go from that state to the northern state, to the Midwest, and the farmers are rejoicing. They've been praying for rain. But here's the third thing I want to say to you about this, this which we said there. God is great. God is great. God is great. And the greatness of a person, the greatness of anyone, is not merely how great they are up here. It's how great they come down to the level of need. Anybody ever heard of Mahatma Gandhi? Hmm? This is what Mahatma Gandhi once said. Not even God would dare to appear to a hungry man except in the form of bread. Not even God would dare to appear to a hungry man except in the form of bread. In other words, 
God not only meets you at the point of your need, but he knows exactly what you need, even when you may be asking for something else. You say, what do you mean by that? How many of you remember the story in Acts chapter 3 about a man who was brought to a beautiful gate which was not beautiful for him? But to a beautiful gate and there he was placed at the beautiful gate of the temple and he was there begging. And on a particular day two apostles, Peter and John were passing by and they saw him. And he looked at them expecting money from them and asked them, could I have some money? So they looked at him and responded. They said, silver and gold we don't have. I know what you're asking for and you believe that's what you need. You need that to live. Well, we don't have that, but what we do have is what you really need. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and they took him by the hand, lifted him up and said, be well and strong. And immediately, he was strong. You say, he wanted money. That's what he thought he needed. God said, you don't need money. I'm going to give you legs. So you can walk the world. You can go out. You can earn your living. You can enjoy life. You will not need anybody to bring you anywhere. You can walk yourself. If you want to praise God, you can do it yourself. I want to make you well. I want you to face up to life, to think in your mind all that you've ever dreamt, ever thought of, of coming out of the where you're sitting every day. You've talked about, if only this, if only that, if it's happened to you. God met him at the point of his need but he really didn't know what he needed. How many of you can remember the story of Jairus and his daughter? A leader in the temple and his little girl at the point of death. And he came running to Jesus. He wanted him to come to the home to make her well. And Jesus said then, I'll come with you. But on the journey, the journey was interrupted by another lady who was ill. The Bible called it she had an issue of blood. And she stopped the procession. It's an amazing thing when somebody can do something and stop God. Please understand that. She, well, she, she stopped Jesus. Jesus was God manifest in flesh. And he's walking along and she comes up behind him because she said, if only I can touch his robe, I will be healed. Only touch his robe. Not to touch him. Only touch his robe. And in the crowd, she crawled up to him when everybody seemed to be pushing in her way, but she crawled through and suddenly touched his robe. 
just touching it. She felt the power of God go through her body, up her arm, into her body, right through her whole body, and she knew. Can I say this, brother and sister in Christ, or friend, when you touch God or he touches you, the power of God will go through your life, and you'll never be the same. She knew, I'm healed, I'm well. I paid much money to many doctors, and none of them brought me any health. All I did was touch this man's robe, and now I'm well. And he stops on his journey to Jairus, who's pressing him to come to heal his daughter, but he stops. It's more time, take him up. He, you're being delayed, you need to get on to see my daughter, but he stops. And then he asks a question. Who touched me? The disciple said, what's wrong with you? Are you on some psychedelic trip? <laughs> Everybody around you is touching you. The crowds are pressing us. What do you mean by that? But he knew. He said, power has gone out of me because somebody's plugged into the power of God. She, knowing full well, that she'd been discovered. <coughs> Stood up and said, it's me, it's me. He said, daughter, daughter, your faith, your faith has made you well. If you're coming to God, you have to believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By which time, Jairus is there. Oh, can we go now? And suddenly he turns to go and people are coming from his house. They said, no need to go. Don't trouble him anymore. She's dead. The dark dagger of death struck him. The satanic dagger stuck him in the heart. And Jesus said, don't worry. Don't worry. Only believe. Let's go and see her. Amen. And in a moment, yep. Come on. she was raised yes. from the dead. Hallelujah. You think, I can believe the first story, but the second one, you mean raised from the dead? She was raised from the dead, folks. She really was. One of the most strange, silly stories that I can ever tell you is one time I went to India and I heard about a man who, his mother had been raised from the dead and he was in the meetings. And the leaders of the meeting told me about this young man, about his mother. I said, I'm going to meet him. So I said, I heard about your mother. She said, uh, he said, she's over there. So I went to his mother. I said, hello. Uh, his son was standing with me. and uh, I said, I just want to ask you a question. Now here's the silliness that often I, I say things that don't come over right. So I looked at this lady and said, 
What was it like to be dead? <laughs> you understand? What was it like to be? And she looked at me, the lady from the village, could say no academic training, but here was supposedly academic training being. And she looked at me as if say, what on earth are you talking about? So she answered, in a pure answer, she said, I don't know. I was dead. <laughs> See, when you get the answer, you realize how stupid you are. But then her son told me the story. She'd been dead for over four days. Certified by three doctors in a hospital. And all she had to do, all he had, had to do was take her to her home because as the oldest of her children, he had to make sure she was buried in the Hindu way. Now here's the funny part. He went to his village and when he got to this village, he'd not been there for a long time, he heard about a young pastor in the village. And the young pastor believed that Jesus performed miracles. And somebody told this young man, Jesus raised people from the dead. So he went down the road to the young pastor's house and told him to come to pray for his mother. The young pastor was full of zeal until he realized the mother was dead. <laughs> But because he'd been asked, he went there anyway. And he prayed. And you know what? Nothing happened. So the young man who asked the young pastor to come, beat him up, threw him out of the house, and more or less called him, what I would say, a charlatan. And the young pastor went home thinking, failure. The son went back into the house and he's looking at his mother, thinking, mother is really dead. And suddenly as he's looking at his mother, this is what he says, I saw a finger move. A finger move. And then he thought, there's movement. Then I saw a hand move. And then my mother opened her eyes. And then she looked up and looked at him and said, where am I? What am I doing here? What is the time? So suddenly this young man realized his mother is alive. Now he's got to go and visit the pastor to tell him. <laughs> so he ran down the road to the pastor's house and knocked at the door. And the young pastor was there. He wasn't going to open the door. He'd had a beating once, he didn't want another one. But suddenly the young man is shouting through this door, my mother's alive, my mother's alive. You were Jesus, has brought her alive. And suddenly the young pastor opened the door and he came out and looked at the young man and the young man fell on his knees and said, I want to know this Jesus. His mother came to Jesus. And many people in the village came to know Jesus. Do you know why they came to Jesus? It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. What this young man needed, God appeared to him in the form of his need. 
How many of you can think of Peter the Apostle? Sometimes he also said things that he wished he hadn't said. <laughs> there was one time some leaders came to him and said to him this, does your master pay taxes? Oh yes, he does. of course he does. Of course he does. Then he walks on the people asking him the question, goes into the house. Jesus, not knowing about the question, says to him this, just tell me this, Peter. Does the son of a king pay taxes? Or is it just to the other people? What's the other people? And Jesus said, well, before we get into trouble, I want to take, take your fishing rod, go down to the, to the sea, throw it in, First fish that comes out, get the coin out of your mouth because we ain't got any money. We've got to pay the taxes. But next time, Peter, zip. <laughs> uh, that's my paraphrase. <laughs> I was going to say something else. I said I was going to say that's my passion. I wanted to say that. It's just my, my paraphrase. Sometimes you say things that you think, I'm in trouble. Has anybody ever done that? Yes. Hands up if you've ever done it. Yes? Hands up if that's ever happened to you. If you've ever done that, you've said something you wish you hadn't said it. Okay, just put your hand up. Keep your hands up. I just want to look at you. <laughs> I want to kill the accusation of the devil to my life that I'm the only one who ever did that. All right? Okay? You say something that you wish you hadn't said it, but God heard it. And the strange thing is because he loves you, because he's good, because he's great, he's going to be behind you to perform what you've let slip. You know why? He wants to save you from the embarrassment, but he wants to guard his honor. God is not prepared to lose a testimony because of a, a verbal slip. He said, I know you slipped up, but I'm going to stand with you. Lord, why are you doing that? I'm good. Are you always good, God? Yes, I am. I don't change. We heard that from the platform this morning. He changes not. So the Bible says, God is love. First epistle of John. The Bible said that God is good. Also the Psalms, again in the epistles. God is good. God is great. Also the Old Testament, Jeremiah, talks about the greatness of God. Jeremiah 32. The Psalms talk about the greatness of God. The New Testament talks about the greatness of God. He doesn't change. He doesn't change, and therefore the scriptures, the tenor of scriptures, where God appears to be great in the Old Testament... All the way through the Old Testament into the New Testament, he continues to be declared great. What is in the scriptures concerning God is what he is to you in life. And no matter what comes our way, there are challenges that come our way, and you could be in this meeting this morning, and you've got challenges in life. Well, let me help you this. I have them too. I'm preaching to you, and I'm preaching to myself. My wife is sitting here. She has challenges. I'm preaching to her as I'm preaching to myself and as I'm preaching to myself, I'm preaching to us. 
and I'm preaching to you. The enemy comes along to steal things from you. What is the first thing you try to steal from mankind? Go back to the book of Genesis. What did he try to steal from them? Anybody ever read Genesis? <laughs> That's what I mean. It didn't come out the way I wanted it to come out. Okay. Now you've read Genesis. What did they lose? Their trusting God. Their relationship. Their fellowship. Now the devil was trying to tempt them in this way. God isn't a good God, you know. Because he's withholding from you something that you really should have. He's withholding you from you the truth of good and evil, the knowledge of it. He's withholding you from the fruit of that particular tree. He doesn't want you to have that because he's not, well, he's not really as good as you think he is. Now, can I say this to you, young folks? I have sat in auditoriums just like you're sitting now. And you think, I look at this guy, well, he's old, I've got a long time to go. Well, let me tell you this. It goes just like, the Bible says life is but a vapor. It appears for a while and gone. How many of you can, how many of you believe that scripture? Life is a vapor, it appears for a while and then gone. Hands up if, how many of you believe it more as you got older? <laughs> yes. It's but a vapor. Disappears for a while and then gone. But the devil tried to keep man away from simply understanding this. He tried to trick them. You know, God is not really good. If he was good, he'd let you have that. No. There are things in your life that God does not want you to have for you are good. Simple illustration. Many, 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 many years ago, it seems now, I was in Los Angeles, the big conference. I was the second speaker, not the primary speaker, the second speaker. The first one was a, a young man who had been in prison, Los Angeles, for all kinds of crime. Murder, robbery, arson, and everybody wants, even, well, once you heard what Jesus had saved him from, they all started applause. You know. It went on and on and on. You say, this is fantastic. And then the pastor gets up and says, uh, and now from, from Wales, we've got Kerry Jones is here. I thought, Lord, how can I, how can you follow that? I haven't been out there, you know, snorting drugs. I've not been out there. Uh, killing people. I've not been into arson. I've not been into all these kinds of things. What do I say? So the Holy Spirit said to me, just a few words. So I got up and said, I'm so glad to have been hearing Major speaking today and to think what God saved him from. And it's exactly like my life. Everything he said, I thought I don't need to say God saved me from that as well. So the pastor was there, he said this, we didn't know that. I said, no, he saved me from it. 
Let it sink in your mind. He saved you from it. Did I snort drugs? No. He saved me from it. Did I commit murder? I thought of doing it many times. <laughs> it's, a strange, it's a strange thing. It's terrible to say. More so since I've become a Christian. <laughs> That's what I mean by saying things. No. Because you're being changed into his likeness. You have to overcome your irritations with people at times. With Christians who are all the time, they've got so many whines and whinges and all that type of thing. And God somebody has to deal with me on that. I, Lord, I don't want to be like that. He said, you're already like that. Change. Do you understand? God wants us to change. But above all else, he wants us to know, what have I been saved from? See, the man in the church can say this. Uh, I'm not like that. I don't go around. I'm not on drugs. Hi. I'm not on drugs. I don't go around saying terrible swear words like that. I, I, I am. And God says this. Let me say this to you. You're as rotten as he is. You're filled with arrogance, pride, conceit, jealousy, backbiting, malice. You look at things that you can see. I look at the heart. And I want to save you from all that. I want, you to, I want to save you from being religious. Of thinking that you earn brownie points for attending a meeting. Extra points if you read the Bible. No. I read the Bible because I love him. But I've come to see that God is love. He loves me all the time. Never failed me yet. God has been good to me all the time. Good to me. We sang the first song this morning, crown you with many crowns. I used to sing that often with my friend, wherever I was in the world. His name was Tony Ling. And we always used to wait for that, that verse, the ineffable, the ineffable, ineffable. And we used to love it, ineffably sublime. We used to look at each other and we used to say, that, what a wonderful word. <laughs> it's not a word used today, but ineffably sublime. And we used to look at him and smile, and we'd sing with further gusto this song, but crown him with many crowns. I want to say this to you today, Three things that I've said. God loves you. God loves you. God is good. God is great. Don't let an enemy try to take them away from you. No matter what challenges you face. Whether it's in your physical body. Whether it's in your mind. Oh, let me say this to you as well. There's a story in the book of Acts in chapter 16, I think, where Paul is in prison 
and there's an earthquake. And the jailer, supposing that his prisoners had escaped, took his knife to commit suicide. I want to say this. There's someone in this meeting this morning and that's been in your mind. The Apostle Paul shouts out, Stop! That's not the way forward. The man cried, What must I do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. This is not a time to take your life. Not even to entertain the thought. It's the time to know that God loves you. God is for you. And God wants you to save you from all that kind of stuff. You're in pain. God loves you. God loves you. Because he loves you, he does not want you to endure pain. Why? His son. His son. On the cross. Took all our pain. All our pain. Heavenly Father, right now across this auditorium, where people are in pain, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you took all our pain into yourself, into your body. And in taking it all, you took it that we did not have to walk in it. And right now I ask you, because you've been risen from the dead a long time, your hands, I want you to reach them out because they're no longer nailed. Reach them out to people in pain in this auditorium. Let them know healing, healing in their bodies. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, let them know healing in the, under removal of all pain. All pain. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just to say to the singers here as well, before I leave today, every time God wanted something done in the world, he chose people. And as you read through the Old Testament, he gave them his name. His name was a different name according to the challenge ahead of them. He could have been at the beginning the, the Elohim, the Adonai, the Jehovah, the El Shaddai. But when we come into the New Testament, to the age that we are living in, God gave himself a name. Emmanuel meaning God in flesh. He said, and you call him Jesus. The name of God today that we've been given is Jesus. 
It's a name that Jewish people don't like. The name Jesus is not like to be called. God, they say, cannot be called by the name Jesus because he's not God. He is. That's when we pray in the name of Jesus. We are praying in the name that God himself gave himself while he is to walk this world. Never be afraid to pray in the name of Jesus. If you're ever praying in a hotel restaurant, people are not much affected if you pray in the name of God. But they're shaken to their, their bones of the fish when you pray in the name of Jesus. There is no name given to men. No name given. No other name given to men whereby a man can be saved except the name of Jesus. Use his name often. Use his name often. For sickness, use his name. If you were here today and you think, I don't know much about the Holy Spirit. I'd love for Jesus to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. He says simply this, I'll do that. Why? If you ask for stone, no. If you ask for bread, does he give you a stone? No. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. Whatever you need, God comes in the form of your need. If you want the Holy Spirit, just ask him. If you want salvation, just ask him. If you want to be healed from your sick, sickness in your body, just ask him. If you want calmness in your mind, just ask him. He always comes in the form of your need and he always answers your prayer. Amen? Amen. Would you stand please? Time's gone. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we want to thank you that we've come to put our faith in a living rock. The living rock upon whom this church stands. That this church with the name living rock will be today and in the days ahead and in the days ahead and in the days ahead be a manifestation of what life is like living from the living rock that at all times you will keep you alive in the people here fresh vibrant life giving that everyone around will see and know where you have chosen to tabernacle in this geographical region I want to thank you that you're raising up a testimony that David here that you've anointed him and for the leadership here you've anointed them for the people here that you've anointed them. That wherever they are, that people will observe our lives and in observing our lives they will see an extension of your love, of your goodness and your greatness. And to this end we want to thank you that it will be simply because you have said as he is, so are we in this present world. Amen. 
And for that, we thank you. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Shake somebody by the hand and say, may the Lord increase his blessing on you today. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.